You can now subscribe and save 20% off every single shipment you get of StravaCraft coffee. And you can choose when they'll send it straight to your door. That's two, three, four, six, or eight weeks. You make the call when you need that coffee sent to you. They'll send it to you. You'll get 20% off every time. You'll never have to enter your credit card information again. You won't have to worry about running out of coffee and having to make a run to the store in the morning because, well, you'll just look outside. It'll be waiting for you right on your doorstep. So check out Strava Craft Coffee and save 20% every time with the subscription. Or if you just want to try it out once, you can, of course, use the code DNVR20, and they'll give you one chance uh, to get that 20% off. Or you can come on down to the DNVR bars, try some of their CBD infused cold brew. It's really, really great stuff. So check out Strava Craft Coffee. Number one for the one and only DNVR. Two goes out to Zach Mace Arcade and the bar. Three for Mr. B in that old trophy case. Welcome, welcome, welcome in, and happy Friday. DNVR Broncos podcast, of course, presented by MSU Denver Online. They'll put a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. They are the Colorado institution for providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. They believe in value without compromise and excellent education at a great price with professors who care about you and formats that fit your life. So check out msudenver.edu slash online today. My boys, what's up? Happy Friday. Happy Bum Talk Friday. Feel good Friday. Ooh, it feels good because we really should have Broncos back this weekend. Maybe we'll even kick some 58-yard field goals today. Touch wood. Yeah, yeah you better touch wood on that because, I mean, what if we wake up tomorrow morning and – what happened to the Colts happens to the Broncos right now. And that, that that's the thing that keeps you nervous. I am every morning when I wake up guys, I'm always a little bit squeamish about what I might find in my cell phone about, okay, how did every, is has everything blown up for the day? So there's more touching wood on that Zach than pretty much anything we have ever talked about in the football realm on this podcast. Yeah, I don't know if I can like mentally handle another game getting pushed back. <laughs> it's like, geez, it's like you know, one one dose of blue balls is enough. Um, oh, wow. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> blue, blue and orange balls, maybe. Um, but we should should all touch wood as well. We should have football this weekend. Finally, feels like it's been ages, uh, and the Broncos are going to be out there with a much better-looking squad than the one that we've seen the last few times they've been on the field. Uh, it feels like ages since we had to watch Jeff Driscoll start, but it wasn't really that long ago at all. Uh, and now the team should have Drew, Drew Locke back out there on the field. For some reason, Vic Fangio still thinks that he's like playing coy about this. 
which is funny because he's going up against like the one coach who I just don't think you can pull this type of crap on. Um, but Vic Fangio doesn't want to completely admit it yet. But Drew Locke's going to be the starter on Sunday, and that makes a world of difference for the Broncos. Yeah, there's no reason that on Thursday, Drew can definitely start and then Sunday rolls around. Again, we talked about how it's it's going to be very difficult for a setback to happen with this injury for Drew. So it's difficult for Sunday to come around and him not be able to start. So he'll be the starter. I imagine Vic is going to take this up to game time just to play games with him. But what's funny about that too, Ryan, is Vic was seeing right through uh, Cam Newton last week. He was saying, yeah, that we're, we're preparing for Cam Newton to be the starting quarterback. And that was in more difficult circumstances of Cam being able to play. So it'll be Drew versus Cam. And Broncos will also have Philip Lindsay back. May have Noah Fant back. Uh, they're going to have some pieces that they wouldn't have had if this game was played on Monday. I mean, really, the question, I think, isn't whether Drew Locke is going to play because uh, I think the only the, the chance of him not playing is is something with the virus or, some, or something really disastrous happening in the next 48 hours. So hopefully none of that Touch will happen. Wood. Yeah, <laughs> I think the, the, story, the, the story is whether Noah Fant plays. And more so him than AJ Boye because Vic Fangio indicated with Boye it's probably go- it's probably going to be another week before they bring him back. But I'm, I'm glad we're I'm glad we're talking about that rather than what we were talking about last week because it, we're, we're gonna we're gonna see Drew Locke. We're gonna hopefully see Broncos Patriots. We're going to see Cam Newton. We're gonna see Stephon Gilmore. You know it's it's actually it's going to be the game that we were expecting. When this before this whole crisis began a couple weeks ago, yeah, and you're gonna see Melvin Gordon, <clears throat> and that was something that we weren't sure about uh, after you know the incident with him getting a DUI. Yesterday we talked about it. it, it you know, Vic Fangio kind of made it seem like the Broncos might dole out some punishment of their own, but then he's back at practice yesterday, uh, and then Vic Fangio really changed his tune, going from you know like there will be discipline to uh, you know the league. Uh, it's going to take a few weeks or whatever to figure this out. So or they're going to wait until all the facts are presented, something along those lines, uh, which told me, okay, cool. Melvin's playing. Um, we'll, we'll finally get to see again. We'll touch wood uh, a Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay backfield game, which is something we only have seen one half of this season. Yeah. And maybe the Broncos do what some colleges do and suspend Melvin for the first half of this game against the Patriots. I don't think that'll happen. I don't even think uh, the, the the punishment, what I think it'll be is Philip Lindsay being the starter uh, and just Philip Lindsay being the starter. I think you'll see Melvin Gordon worked in. Maybe he sits a series in this game, but I fully expect him to be back. And yeah, we finally get to see what two Pro Bowl running backs looks like together, maybe for a full game. Maybe we have to wait against the Chiefs to see it for a full game. Do you think though on some level it's kind of lame just saying, okay, the lead's going to take care of it. Because uh, Vic Fangio's quote on Melvin Gordon yesterday was, it's going to be punished pretty strongly from the league standpoint. We're working through from our standpoint, if we're going to do much more than what the league will do, what the league will do is pretty will be pretty substantial because that's something that is negotiated in the CBA. I feel like they're just passing the buck here. They're saying, okay, the league's going to do it. We don't have to do anything. Well, no, you can't. You can do more, and the by the and the one half suspension. I agree. I don't think we'll see that because if if you're going to set a guy for a half, 
you might as well just deactivate him for the game, have an extra running back up to make sure you're covered with three guys rather than just sitting in for a half. And then what say you have a couple running backs get injured. Oh, we can't, we get, we got to rescind the suspension. We got to bring him back. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, the, the whole thing just ke- feels kind of mealy mouth to me on the Broncos part. I think they'll suspend him for half a series. Um, <laughs> They'll let Phil go out there for the first three plays, and then they'll bring they'll start rotating Melvin in. Um, yeah, you know, Mace. I look at it like this. <clears throat> Let's say you. Uh, well, we'll just use a similar uh, substance here. Let's say you showed up drunk to school uh, when you were in high school, and you got caught. Not advisable. Yeah, don't do that. You, wait, did you say that from experience, Zach? No, no. <laughs> that would be that would be way too early. Uh, anyways, you show up drunk to school in high school and you get caught, and you know they call your parents, right? And you're you're in all sorts of trouble. You're going to get suspended by the school. Do you think your parents would just say like, "Well, getting suspended from school is enough punishment for me"? You know, we're we're going to leave it to the school. Uh, they already have a process in place for this. <laughs> no, they would drop the hammer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They would drop the hammer. Uh and that is what the Broncos aren't doing here, which honestly, I don't know. I, I've seen this so many times that it doesn't surprise me. I'm not I, I can't even say I'm disappointed or anything like that. I just I expected this from the start when Vic Fangio made it seem like that wasn't gonna be the case. That was the surprise to me. Um, but you know, they're if the Broncos were told hey, if you suspend him for one, we'll only suspend him for two. Then I think there might have been something here, but they're, they're, they don't want to suspend him for one and then have the league suspend him for three, and now they've lost him for a quarter of the season. Yeah, and, uh, you know, what it boils down to is the Broncos need a win. They desperately need a win, so that's how they're viewing it. They're viewing it as, okay, well, if we can have Melvin back and that's our choice, well, we're going to keep him here. Uh, and I think the Broncos realized that these past couple of days. So I would be shocked if he doesn't play this week. Yeah. And I'll be shocked if he doesn't play. And ultimately based on how things are in the CBA, this current CBA, he is looking at a, at a three game suspension and you wonder if they're going to try to kind of cross their fingers and, uh, and hope it's a three game stretch that is relatively benign rather than this current three game stretch. Cause if they, if he was suspended right now, it would be Patriots, Chiefs, Chargers. Maybe they're hoping that the three-game stretch is something that sounds a little like uh, um, pa- like Panthers, Bills, Chargers, something like that. Or, Mace, what they're thinking is, uh, you know, we're kind of still in this now. There's some hope for our season now. Why don't we just wait till it's a Kareem Jackson situation and where we lose him when we're totally out of the playoffs and it doesn't matter anymore? Yeah, yeah I mean – in the end, it all comes down to winning. Um, and it's why when you're in high school, the starting quarterback gets different treatment than you did. And it's why uh, the guy on the Seahawks, who no one can even remember his name, but who tried to sneak the girl into the hotel, well, he got cut. But if it was Russell Wilson who did it, uh, no one would have, we probably wouldn't even have found out about it. And it would have been swept directly under the rug where no one would ever see it again. So, uh, if the Broncos think Melvin Gordon can help them win this week, he's going to play uh, because they have an option and they're always going to lean towards the option that helps them win the game. Yep, without a doubt. And that's why that's why 25 will be out there right alongside 30. 
So we already talked about this game plan once before, but now things have changed drastically. Uh, the Broncos have their quarterback. They have both of their running backs. They might have their tight end back. Uh, it's a it's a completely different squad, in my opinion, that's going to be out there than when we were talking about this game last Friday. So, Mace, I'll start with you. When you're putting together the game plan for this game for the Broncos, what uh, what type of pieces are you including in there? Well, you're going to have Melvin Gordon, as we talked about, and you'll have Philip Lindsay back. I'm starting there. I'm starting with trying to control the game, uh, not simply on the ground, but just control the game with Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. I'm using them out of the backfield as short to intermediate area targets. I'm, I'm sticking with the run as long as you can. I mean, one thing like for that Bucks game, for example, the Broncos wanted to come out and run. The game got out of hand, so it's also incumbent upon the defense to keep Cam Newton in front to keep Cam Newton in front of them. Uh, maybe accept that there are going to be some dynamic there some dynamic runs that catch him off guard uh, between between the twenties. But at the same time, if you, if everyone's making their tackles on the back end, you're able to limit the damage a little bit and hold the Patriots to field goals. So if you can have a balanced offense that can sustain some drives, if you can have a game that's pretty competitive, pretty close, and you don't have to deviate from your game plan. I think I think you buy time to kind of jab at the Patriots' de- at defense, and then, as time goes on, then hit them over the top with, with Jerry Judy, then try to get Noah Fant going down the seam if, if he plays, then then try to kind of take advantage of the fact that you've been able to 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 get to kind of gently jab and and tenderize them a little bit with melt with Gordon and Lindsay getting heavy doses, then beat them over the top. You're gonna have to play the long game a little bit in this contest. Yeah, I think what uh, having Drew Locke does and changes the game plan from everything we talked about this week is it stretches the field, and you've got to do that if you want to incorporate the run game. That's going to be the best complement to the run game is stretching the field, throwing the ball deep with Drew because with Brett, if I was the Patriots. There's really no reason to have anyone be further than seven yards behind the line of scrimmage. I would have stacked the box, gone one-on-one with my wide receivers, and hey, you know what? If Brett Rippon beats us deep, then then good for him. And I know he was good statistically against the Jets when he mm-hmm. when he went deep, Brett Rippon was, but come on. I mean, that Jerry Judy catch was a fantastic catch. That wasn't necessarily a great throw by any means. I don't think the Patriots would have been scared by that. Uh, at the deep threat from Brett Rippon at all. So this, the threat of Drew going deep is good going into the game, but then you actually have to make it a threat. You can't baby Drew Locke. Let him go out there, sling it, go deep, and then that'll open up those holes for Phillip and Melvin. And then that's that's where your great one-two punch could come. So uh, Andre has coined this, this phrase when talking about Ryan Tannehill, and I, I just absolutely love it. Uh, he's talking about how Ryan Tannehill – is making threes and dunks. And basically what he's saying is when it's wide open because they ran a great play-action play, he's making a great throw every time. But then he's also hitting some threes. Uh, he's going over the top. He's throwing those nine routes. He's he's making big plays down the field. And it is a, it's a game changer when you can make some dunks and then open them up with some threes. And, you know, and to continue with the basketball analogy, when you're making those threes, they don't know, uh, they, they don't know if you're going to drive and try to dunk it or if you're going to shoot the three. So that, to me, is massive. That's, that's the type of game plan that they should be using with Drew Locke. 
Yeah, but w- without a doubt, and now it's going to come down to turnovers. Can the Broncos uh, limit their turnovers to maybe just one? And if they're able to do that, uh, that then uh-oh. that'll wow. Uh oh, not good. Oh, one of you didn't touch wood. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't me. I thought I saw Zach touching wood too. So yeah, I've got it right uh, here. Maybe you know what? Maybe quick, yeah. This the- this whole desk is wood, by the way. So. Maybe there are limits to the power of touching wood in the face of a global pandemic. Maybe for those, that's the limit. For those listening on the podcast format, uh, news just came down from Ryan Spagnoli. Now, I'm not sure how reliable he is, um, but he said, don't shoot the messenger, but hearing more positive COVID-19 cases coming from the Patriots. Uh, mm-hmm. If that is the case, yeah, covering for SB Nation. Um, Pat's pulpit, yep. Uh, if that is the case, the game will most certainly be first moved to Monday, uh, and then it may be moved to Tuesday, and then, you know, yeah, you know how this goes. Well, and then we may yeah. be talking about Week 18. I think the Broncos can't yeah. be moved. I think that's more the case here. If if you're talking about they have more cases, and if they are among the players, then is this thing really going to be back together to play on Monday or Tuesday? Well, no, but that's what they're going to do. Yeah. I, I think realistically, if this is the, if, if this report is true, I think it's more likely we're going to see this game played in January. Oh guys, this is brutal. This is brutal. I mean, take all the feel good fun out of this podcast right now. Yeah. Well, now, hopefully they're wrong. Now it's bum talk. Because yeah. I am officially bummed. Yeah. Um, you know, someone in the comments here uh, uh, suggesting potential forfeit for the Patriots. They haven't been proven to have any wrongdoing yet. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that's on the table. Yeah, that that's my thing with, with the forfeits is if you can prove that someone did something wrong to break the protocols within a building and then that started an outbreak, then okay, I, I'm open to that. But there, there's this thing can spread so easily. It, it it doesn't necessarily mean that someone did something wrong. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to know. Uh, I know they have all the contact tracing and they could probably do a better job uh, than anyone of finding out what happened here. But man, if that is the case, then uh, like I said, best case scenario is probably the game being played on Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just more delays, more postponements. I'm sure that would make all of the Broncos absolutely thrilled. Uh, and it, the good news is the Colts had a scare this morning and it looks like that scare was just that a scare. Uh, it, it seemed like they had some positives come back this morning, did some more tests and everything came back negative. So you know, you're hoping that you're hoping that Ryan uh, Spagnoli is just wrong here, and you hope that if he is right, that there's some more tests that can come back to to show that there is some false positives. Yeah, that's what we'll hang on to. But I guess for now, until we have any some more um, solid news, we'll continue talking about the game plan for the Broncos if they ever actually do play this football game. <laughs> um. Like I said, threes and dunks. That's what I think Drew Locke needs to be doing when he comes in. And the way that you set up that three and three and dunk offense 
is by running the ball really well. So, Mays, I'm right there with you in the sense that they these guys have to go out there and run the ball really effectively against the Patriots, and that'll make Drew Locke's job a whole lot easier. Yeah, and that's – look, let's go back to March. That's part of the reason why you brought Melvin Gordon in, right? Because you already had Philip Lindsay, but Melvin Gordon was here, A – to provide a little bit more punch in terms of pass catching out of the backfield, show Philip Lindsay the way a little bit after a tough season in that regard, largely because of his wrist. B, allow the Broncos to be more effective in the red zone. And C, it gives you a one-two punch where you can rely on that. One of the, you know, one of the best friends for any young quarterback in the history of this game has been a ground attack that forced defenses to think of the run first. Mm-hmm. and open things up for that young quarterback to take his shots downfield, like you guys said. So, I mean, I think you come out and you try to, like like I said, kind of tenderize him a, a little bit and keep, and keep pounding. But a key to that is making sure that the Patriots don't, that their offense doesn't allow the game to get away from you. Be patient with, with what you're doing. And if the defense does its job and limits the damage from Cam Newton and company, then you can play your game over the long haul. And then those little di- and then those little jabs will actually become haymakers by the second half. And not only will Drew Lock be able to hit over the top. Oh, by the way, those one and two yard runs are going to start becoming seven and eight yard runs on a consistent basis. Yeah. And then you mentioned the defense and on the defensive side of the ball, to me, it is all about taking away the run. <clears throat> uh, if you can stop this team from running the ball effectively, which they have done, uh, in spades in their wins. Zach and I talked about it yesterday, I believe, or whenever we talked about that. Um, that, you know, over 200 yards in their wins with Cam Newton on the field, right, Zach? Yep, exactly. 217 and 250. <clears throat> 250, jeez. Uh, you're not going to lose many games where you run <clears throat> where you run for that much. So the Broncos' job is to take that away. Uh, if you can make them one-dimensional, uh, and currently, they're like I said, they're three-dimensional. They have running back runs, quarterback runs, and quarterback passes. If you can take away the running back runs and the quarterback runs uh, and make life you know, really tough on them if they want to go between the tackles, then you have a chance to open these guys up. Uh, you have a real chance to force them to do things that they don't want to do. Uh, so they, they're going to try and pound and pound and pound, and if you take that away, they're going to have to change their game plan. So I think that has to be – just absolutely the number one priority for the Broncos. And again, Vic Fangio should like this because it means that he gets to tell uh, AJ Johnson, Alexander, sorry, uh, and Josie Jewell to pin their ears back and run downhill and plug those gaps in the middle. Yeah, and if Cam Newton beats you over the top, well, and, and he consistently does that where they're putting up 30 points because of that, well, then shoot. I mean, tip your cap to him. Uh, but you know their formula and what they want to do is run the ball. So don't let them beat you with that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, again, Cam Newton's money zone is the 8 to 15 yard zone. Uh, and you have to stop them from being able to just attack you there because you're so focused on that run that's just gashing you over and over and over again. Um, that, you know, the linebackers open up a big old window under, under the safeties and over the top of them. Yeah, and, and guys, on the opposite side, we said that in their two wins, the Patriots have rushed for, for 200 yards, over 200 yards as a team. In their two wins, they've also forced three turnovers mm-hmm. in both games. So that's going to be key for the Broncos is 
They can afford one mistake, but they cannot afford multiple mistakes, and they can't do what, what Brett Rippon did against the Jets, or they will get blown out by the Patriots. I don't even think they can afford two mistakes here, so it's going to be about controlling the ball, not just turning it over, but controlling it on the ground. And when you do take those shots, make sure that if you're going to miss the shots, that they're overthrows, that that they're just an incompletion, not anything more. Yeah, it's the best takeaway defense in the league, guys, going back to the start of the 2019 season. And, you know, of course, they've carried it over this year. But three takeaways in each of their two wins, one takeaway in each of their two losses. So you've got to make sure that the offense isn't sloppy. And then on the other side, even before the week four game in Kansas City when they play without Cam Newton. The Patriots, they were averaging a giveaway a game. Now, obviously, four giveaways against the Chiefs with Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoare kind of spikes that a little bit. But you are going to have opportunities to take to take away the football. And the Broncos, with only two takeaways from their defense this year, one of the league's worst at that. So not only do you have to protect the ball, you've got to you've got to strip it from them when you have the opportunity. You've got to be able to make a play in that regard because what you pulled off against the Jets when you have three giveaways and you and no takeaways and you still win, that's something that's the type of win that you get once every five years or so. Literally. Right. right. So so don't expect that equation to work against a much better team like the Patriots. Find ways to t- to to take away the football, you know, get in there. You want guys trying to strip it at every opportunity because the thing that this defense has been missing that has been part and parcel of Vic Fangio's better defenses over the years has been takeaways, and the Broncos still haven't found that touch yet in the Fangio era. No, and unfortunately, regardless of who you're playing, the Broncos have the third worst turnover margin. Yeah, that that's yeah. going to be tough to even be 500 when you're that. They're 30th in the league in their turnover margin. May Sack and I talked about this yesterday, but I'll ask you: What's a successful game for Drew Locke? Are we talking about numbers or uh, something kind of hazier than that? Uh, tell me just what what came to your mind when I asked that question. I'm thinking that Drew completes 65% of his passes. At least one touchdown, no interceptions, no no fumbles lost, and that when he gets hit, he bounces right back up, feels no discomfort, goes right on to the next play. Anything in the results category? If the Bronc, if he does that, if he has that, if he has that sort of outcome, I think the Broncos have about a fifty percent. They have a fifty fifty chance of winning the game. If he pull, if because let's say let's say twenty of thirty for two hundred and twenty-five yards, a touchdown, no turn, no turnovers in any way. I think the Broncos have a decent shot to win with that. I like it. I like it. Well, last week we did our predictions, and we had to do a different prediction for every possible quarterback matchup, uh, which came out to be like what five? <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah. Four of them. <laughs> so this week, uh, should we make a different prediction based on when the game is played? <laughs> no, boy. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> All right. So we'll go down for our predictions uh, regardless of when this game is played, unless, of course, it's in January, in which case we reserve the right to uh, <laughs> to uh, cha- change our picks. Uh, Zach, I'll start with you. How do you see this one going? So the Patriots are a nine and a half point favorite here. And I like the Broncos to cover. I like the Broncos to cover. I like this being a seven-point game. I'm going Pats 27, Broncos 
20. Wasn't sure if I was going to go 24, but uh, I think the Patriots do get this win. I think it's going to be very, very difficult for really any team to go into New England this year when Cam is playing and Stephon Gilmore is playing and beat the Patriots. Bill Belichick is so good going up against young guys, and Drew Locke has missed a month, so I think he's going to struggle at times. Uh, but in the end, the Broncos cover the spread. It's not a blowout loss. Uh, and when you really take a step back, you're saying, okay, the Broncos went in there and, and fought a good team. Kind of see it the same way as you, Zach. I think the Broncos managed to cover having Drew Locke out there uh, makes the difference. I'm going to go a little bit of a lower score, 23-17, and that's the Patriots getting five scores. The Broncos limiting the damage in the red zone, forcing the Patriots to sell some for some field goals uh, that allows the Broncos to stay in it. But I think that I think Cam makes one or two big plays uh, that are going to, that are going to be the difference in this game. And uh, it'll feel if this happens, it'll, it'll feel lousy for the Broncos. It'll feel like a really frustrating loss. And it's going to feel like one that they should have had. Guys, uh, got a little feeling about this one. Got a little feeling about this one. I think that <clears throat> the Broncos are a pissed off team. Uh, I think that they're they're tired of looking at these silver helmets on film. I think that they are a team that prepared for Cam Newton for the entirety of this time and haven't lost any practice time during all of this except for you know the t- couple days they took off. And I think the Patriots have just been a mess for the last couple weeks. Um, you know, on the field, off the field, got the quarterback, without the quarterback, preparing for Brett Rippon, preparing for Drew Locke. And uh, and in the end, I think that it really affects them. I think they come out and play a really sloppy game while the Broncos play a much cleaner one uh, behind Drew Locke. And I think the Broncos find a way to claw this one out, get back to two and three, uh, and, and really see their season come alive again. So I'm going Broncos 24, Patriots 21. Well, I hope you're right because, I mean, it's transformative because you are staring down the barrel of the Chiefs the following week. But if you beat the Patriots, you're no worse than two and four coming out of the Chiefs game. And then while the Chargers are very feisty with Justin Herbert and the Raiders are playing well with Derek Carr, you do come into a stretch of games where you feel like you've got a decent shot in all of them on the backside of this. So if you get one win the next two weeks here, you've still got everything in front of you, despite what you've been through. Yeah, you do. And you have to get one of the next two to have this season be alive. And it's crazy how we've talked about just in nine days, the Broncos could easily and Vegas would tell you that the Broncos will be one in five. And you know, that's easy to see. There's also a chance the Broncos could be three and three. Now I know that is crazy to say, and I certainly wouldn't put my money on it at all. But what if they are three and three in nine games from now? They wouldn't just be 500. They'd be on a three-game win streak, and they would have just beaten uh, maybe one of two two of the toughest games on their schedule. Two of the toughest games that anyone in the NFL has back to back with their quarterback back, getting back to full strength. You know, AJ Boye, if he's not back for that Chiefs game, he'll be back soon. Uh, KJ Hamler would probably be back soon. It's just, it's crazy that the Broncos have that opportunity there. Now, don't put your money on it. I wouldn't recommend putting your money on it, but it's crazy that that opportunity is there. Hey, stuff, stuff happens. I mean, if, if Bryce Wilson, he of the career 5.91 ERA and 1.805 whip can outduel Clayton Kershaw 
in a high leverage postseason baseball game. Who's to say the Broncos can't shock the hell out of people in the next couple of weeks? Anything's possible, Zach. I'm feeling in an optimistic mood this morning. <laughs> Maybe I should actually predict the Broncos to win 2-0 uh, <laughs> because for some reason the NFL decides that the Patriots have to forfeit. Did you know that? That if a team does forfeit, it goes down as a 2-0 win for the other team. <laughs> I did, and I hate that rule. I mean, at least at least in baseball, if you forfeit, it's 9-0. You know, it, you, you get a mm. blowout. I, I would say... Really going to hurt the Broncos' points per game average. Yeah. <laughs> the forfeit result should be... I mean, the, the biggest blowout in NFL history, I believe, is 73-0 in the 1940. NFL championship game, Chicago over Washington. So I would say match that a forfeit result should be 73 to nothing. I so like we, how they decide. I, I like to think that the pro, the thought process here was like, what should we make the score? And they were like, uh, I don't know, one, nothing. And they're like, well, that's the one score that isn't actually possible to achieve in a game. So we're going to have to do a real score. Well, let's go two nothing. <laughs> yeah. Or they, they called Vic Fangio and said, what's your ideal score in a football game if you're <laughs> going to win? And he said, 2-0. And they said, all right, let's make it 2-0. <laughs> he really would love that. He would never let the offense hear the end of it. No, he would love it. Um, last thing I want to talk about here, guys, before we switch over to the podcast format. <clears throat> So uh, I had a rapid COVID test done uh, at some point during this. And the doctor told me that it had a 99.6% chance of being correct. The reason I bring that up is because the NFL somehow has false tests every week. And that does not scream that they, whatever test they're taking has a 99.6% chance of being correct. It sounds a lot more like an 80% chance of being correct. What is going on here? Why are there so many false positive tests in the NFL? Yeah, I I, I don't know. Um, and that's crazy. I didn't know that there, there could be tests that were 99% accurate, but the NFL, if, if that's out there, should absolutely be doing those because you're right. It seems like false positives are coming left and right, and we just had them this morning. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, if you look at kind of the big numbers, first of all, when we had the false positives, we've had these clusters of false positives. So it's kind of one lab having a screw up. The other thing I was thinking about this, there was one stretch back in late August, early September, where over the course of a week, you had 44,510 tests. Okay. So 44,510, what would 90, 99.6% of that be, well, it would be 44,331. That would mean, guys, that she would have lit or 332, pardon me. So that would mean that you would have 78 false tests. There you go. In a that week. That makes a lot of sense. See, that's why I need the math guys here. <laughs> <laughs> We're here for you, RK, as always. The question is, if you're having all these false positives, are there false negatives? That's probably that, yeah, and that's part of the and that's part of the uh, the the needle that could puncture the bubble here. Yeah, is is the false negative and somebody going and false negative? Okay, everything's fine. Guy goes out there practices, but uh, uh, but maybe that there's there's not proper contact tracing. Maybe there's a not proper distancing elsewhere in the facility, and all of a sudden you have a spread. I mean, the, the thing is, there's only so much you can do if you're trying to pull off this season. I mean, if you want if you want 
a total non-spread, the only way you do it is by not playing. So yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's kind of tough timing here for the podcast because we're now we're just left in limbo, waiting for something to come from Adam Schefter or, or someone else um, who will have a, you know a I, I won't say guaranteed. Um, success rate on their reporting but at least 99.6 percent accurate i would say for those guys so uh we will uh shift over to the podcast side of things uh but thank you to everyone who tuned into this live brought to you by breckenridge brewery uh and for those staying on the podcast we'll talk to you in just a second all right as we roll along here we got to give a shout out to our good friends at breckenridge brewery it's friday which means you're gonna need some breck brews in your life uh, a little later today, I'm making my way out to uh, the newly revamped City Park Golf Course, uh, and I'll definitely be having some Breck brews out there. But no matter what you're doing on this fantastic Friday in the Mile High City or anywhere else, you probably want a Breck brew by your side. Uh, so make sure you use the Breck Brew Locator to find out where the closest Breck brews are to you, or just head down to your local liquor store, or of course... You can head down to the DNVR bar tonight and get a member-sized Breck brew in a nice, ice-cold, frosty glass. Uh, there's no better way to start off the weekend. So shout-out to Breckeridge Brewery. They're damn good beers. And there's no better place to turn to than DraftKings Sportsbook to get in on all the action this weekend. Got some awesome college games on top of the full NFL slate this weekend. And no better place than DraftKings Sportsbook, which is America's top-rated sportsbook app. And not only is it the best place, but they're given the best deals. They're giving all new users the chance to receive a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. And on top of that great sign-up offer, DraftKings offers odds boost every Sunday to help you bring home the money. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So head to the App Store right now and download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up and get one thousand dollars that's code dnvr at sign up to get a bonus up to one thousand dollars for a limited time only only at DraftKings sportsbook must be 21 or older colorado only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match each up to five hundred dollars deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 all right let's jump into the questions from the listeners one of you guys have the first one i do let's get started First off with Ernest Hemingway's six-toed cat family, who says, you take a croissant, a good one, and you slice it open. Then you fill it with hazelnut or chocolate gelato. Then you cry a single tear in pure ecstasy. Trust me. Mm. I mean, that sounds absolutely fantastic. Uh, croissants, if we're saying it French like Mesa, uh, are oui, oui. one of the best things in the world. And then, I mean, come on. Yeah, gelato with that? Yeah, absolutely. Count me in. When I was younger, I had a friend who, when we went over to his house, uh, they would take croissants <laughs> and, <laughs> and put them in, uh, in the toaster. So you toast it up a little bit, and then you dip it in chocolate milk and crunch on that, and that was real nice. Mm, mm, interesting. Yeah. But, the, oh, man, I could savory, sweet, any, any type of croissant is so <laughs> delicious. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ugh, you guys. You know All what? Right, that, that, I, may, I may throw that in 
with my so I it, my my last meal ever. Like we we've been asked a couple of times, maybe a croissant, some gelato, <laughs> uh, baked beans, and coleslaw. Oh wow! Where is the main course? <laughs> the ice cream, we'll say. God damn! All right, uh, from screw this. Uh, yesterday, you guys were talking about how the defense has been underperforming by giving up 24 and a half points per game. Uh, by just looking at the stat, it looks bad, but you have to account for the bad position the defense has been put in. First game against the Titans, Gordon fumbled at the 23-yard line. Second game against the Steelers, Locke fumbles, and the defense gets it at the 41-yard line. Sutton tipped ball at the 11-yard line. Then the Sam Martin safety. Third game against the Bucks, Bach punt returned to the 10-yard line. Then a Driscoll safety, then an interception at the 50-yard line, then the game against the Jets, pick six, then another pick six at the 46, uh, another pick at the 46-yard line. The defense has given up 43 points just off turnovers. This defense is top 10 if the offense protects the ball. This is even with all the injuries. While the defense doesn't have the turnovers you would like, the opportunities have been there, just multiple drops. I, I, I get it. Uh, it just doesn't work for me because the defense doesn't pass the eye test for me. They don't look dominant. They don't play dominant, and the results suggest that they aren't dominant. And when you go back and you look at a dominant defense like they had in 2015, it didn't matter where the ball was. The other team was getting stopped. Yeah, and screw this. I I think it's a a very good point you bring up, but I'm sure we could go around the league and look at every single defense and say to the best ones, oh, well, look, they actually made those stops when their offense turned it over. They were put in bad positions, and they came up big. And we could probably look at the 32nd ranked defense and say, well, their offense put them in so many bad positions as well. Oh, and then, yeah, on top of that, they weren't able to do anything when they were put in those bad positions. They weren't able to get any stops. So that's going to happen to any team. Maybe the Broncos defense has been put in a couple worse bad situations, but uh, no defense has just been, you know, given 80 yards every single drive that they have to stop so if you look around anywhere in the league it, it just reminds me of uh you know when when the broncos would lose by a bad call by by the refs and people would point to that and say this is ridiculous well you know what probably every single team did that at least once last year and every single year that the broncos are doing that as well it's just how the balance works out in the end yeah, I mean the thing is though you got to limit you got to limit the giveaways because the Broncos they are giving their opponents short fields way too often or you know in the case of the Jets game for example you've got a pick six you've got a safety that you're giving that you're giving up because of a of a of a of a punt block I mean the guys I mean the Broncos I mean I'm not defending their defense but they're giving an out up an outsized amount of points because of short fields or giveaways. You're defending the defense. <laughs> I am. The, yeah, well, I'm just saying you have to look, you have to dive into the numbers and say, okay, this thing isn't, it's not working out right now as you would like it to. It, part of it is on the offense to protect the football and at least, and at least say, okay, you're going to have to drive 80 yards against this defense. It's not happening off enough. And also, again, I got to point to special teams as well because you had the block punt and you also had the safety on the drop punt against uh, against Pittsburgh. You're you're giving up too – you're making too many unforced errors that are reflect that are going to be reflected on the scoreboard here. And that's why, I mean, point, points allowed, if you go – points allowed as an overall metric, you got to sometimes look a little bit closer on this to figure out why. I think I think it's fair. It's just – I'm just saying, like, they don't look like a great defense to me. 
they look uh, like a, regardless of the points. Yeah, they look like a an above a slightly above average defense. I mean, I'm yep. not going to sit here and tell you it's a great defense. Unfortunately, great defense probably sailed away with the injuries to Von Miller, Jarrell Casey, and then for the short to near term, AJ Boye. Well, Mason, that's what we talked about yesterday. Is the Broncos' defense? Do you know where they rank in terms of points per game? Don't look it up. No, are we talk? But are you talking about overall points per game? Yeah, because overall points I, per game. Uh, so you're included. What you're saying is that point figure includes the the pick six. Yep, by, it does. By because, Pierre Desir again, because I believe yeah. that every team is kind of facing that. Not every team's giving up a, has given up a pick six this year. I, yeah, they yeah they're they're in the lower half. But I think what we should no, do. No, they're not. They're not in the lower half. That, I was Where asking what your guess. They're fourteenth. They're fourteenth, so slightly above average. Which yeah. is what you said. Which is yeah. what they are. Which is exactly. Well, I, I think you nailed it on the head. Slightly above I, average. And I think it would, it would be better to take a little bit of, of a moment and say, all right, let's look at how many points are accountable for, accountable for the defense itself, and that just requires doing a little bit more research, which is what I was in the process of doing before you put me on the spot there. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a little bit less, but in the end. Uh, the defense looks slightly above average. Their numbers are slightly above average. You know, if it, whatever the old phrase is, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. That's what they are. They're a slightly above average defense. You know, what's wild though is the takeaways and it's not just this year, it's last year. And it's crazy how, you know, they're just searching for answers or searching for a way for it to happen. And it just doesn't happen. Uh, and it's really hard to be an elite defense if you're not getting takeaways, if you're not making plays yourself. You can be a top 10 defense, but it's hard to get in the top five if you're not making plays yourself. Yeah, I, I think we're all in agreement there. Uh, for maybe the Dingo H Baby says, the hacks at ESPN are pump and dump on shipping Justin Simmons to Dallas for some reason. Do you think that his poor play in 2020 and his contention that he's a number one safety uh that he's number one safety money in the nfl creates an environment to make this a reality well maybe the dingo ho baby thanks for bringing this up because holy cow i thought i missed like a justin simmons trade yesterday with the way people were reacting like oh my gosh is justin simmons gone have they traded him yet this was an espn article that just guessed they speculated on and, and drew up some fun trades that could happen not that are in the works not that are happening not that are imminent so everyone just take a step back Justin Simmons has not been traded to the Cowboys yet but this trade I believe was Justin Simmons uh traded to the Cowboys for a second round pick there may have been a fourth round pick included as well yep. yeah so a second, second, and a fourth. second and a fourth what do you guys think of that it leads to a broader question and I think that's where the next couple of games are so crucial because if you're sitting there at one and five, if you lose to the Pats, you lose to the Chiefs, don't you have to entertain offers like this? And in the case of this sort of trade, any offer would have to be more than the compensatory pick that you would get back if he departed in free agency. And there are factors to consider. What are your, what are your plans with Justin Simmons for 2021? Are you going to pay him? Are you going to consider giving him the, a second franchise tag? I mean, there's the one thing that's kind of, butting its way into this is a stare the status of Garrett Bowles are you saying okay Garrett Bowles is going to get our franchise tag in 2021 I mean there's all these moving parts to cons to consider but if you if if you've made a decision 
if well, first of all, if you're one in five, that's the that's the ground level thing here. But if you're one in five and you have made a decision that a certain player is not going to be re-signed in 2021, and you get an offer that exceeds what you would receive if you just let that player walk in free agency in terms of the compensatory calculus, then you have to take it, right? Yep. Most, you take most the, definitely. You, you take do. the deal. You take yeah. the deal. Because uh, we already know this. The Broncos do not love Justin Simmons. They like Justin Simmons. Uh, and I think part of it has to do with the fact that Vic Fangio is saying, like, I don't necessarily need dominant safety play in my back end. And even despite what Justin Simmons is getting paid this year, they're not getting it. Um, I think that the Broncos would almost feel like their hands were tied. They had to sign Justin just because he's a good player that came up in their system who's done all the right things. And, and so eventually I think if push comes to shove and they didn't trade him, they would sign him. But I think if this offer comes across the table and they are one in five, they're going to say, you know what? Justin was a third round pick. Uh, he did great for us, but now we're going to turn him into a second round pick and a fourth round pick. We don't really want to pay him all that money because we just don't have, we don't believe in the positional value there. Uh, and we're going to take the deal. And I, and I think that if that deal came across John Elway's desk, he would take it. I think so too. And people are probably saying, but he, he's grown himself into a first round type of talent. You should get a first round pick back. But here's the thing you guys, you guys just broke it down too. even a late first round pick. There's no reason for a team to give a first round pick for him. The Broncos have showed that they're not willing to pay him number one safety money in the league. That's what Justin's going to want really, regardless of how this season goes. And the, Every team in the league knows that the Broncos could get a third-round compensatory pick back for him. So if they offer a second, that's all they need to do. They don't need to go any higher. So uh, I, think, I think ESPN nailed it with what this trade could look like. Yeah. Um, Justin Simmons is not worth a first-round pick. Sorry. And on t- remember, on top of it, whoever trades for him also has to pay him big-time money. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, it's a rental, and that's part of what would also drive the value down because conceivably, if you don't know if you're going to re-sign him or not, you could be getting Justin Simmons for 10 games. Yep. Yeah. So. For what it's worth, the Patriots are doing all of their media stuff right now. Like, uh, you know, That's a good sign. They're at the facility. They're doing their media stuff. Again, you know, you never know what's going on over there, but I would assume – like, like – uh, Zach was saying, you know, all these tests have been coming up in the morning. We've been waking up to Patriots news. So you would think they already conducted all that stuff. And if there were positives, we would have found out about it by now. And they certainly would have been out of the building, right? Yes, I don't think they would be in the building if there were positive tests coming in. So let's just hope that uh, that that was a way to, I don't know, draw attention to a Twitter account. Yeah, could be. this is a way to draw attention to Chevalier Mortgage. <laughs> Hit up Mike in Virginia Chevalier at 303-257-6578. They're diehard Broncos fans. They've supported DNVR for a long time, and they're a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial service experience. You can visit them at dnvrmortgage.com or call them at 303-257-6578. Your home is your largest asset, your mortgage, your largest debt, and they believe it's vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing your home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly 
To find the best loan for your situation, visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. Most importantly, get set up with that free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006, and Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Call them at 303-257-6578. It's a bit nippy out there, but the good thing is this weekend we got some great weather, some great golf weather. Well, one thing I love about WGT golf is it doesn't matter what the weather is outside. It can be perfect golf weather or it could be a blizzard, and you can still play golf anywhere you are regardless of the weather, and that's why WGT golf is the most popular golf game in the world. It's also the official gaming partner of DNVR and my personal favorite app, for the past decade. So go to WGT or go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT. And we want you to play with us. So once you download it, go into the clubhouse section and search for DNVR3. That's in all capitals, DNVR, and the number three next to it to join our series of clubhouses. We have almost a thousand people in our clubhouses right now, and we want you to play along with us. We do weekly tournaments, and we've also started to do some majors. So download WGT Golf now by going to dnvrgolf.com so you can practice and be good so that when another major pops up and there's cash prizes involved, you can win and get in on the winnings there. What I love about WGT Golf is it's so realistic and you get to play real courses like St. Andrews and Pebble Beach. So go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT Golf and play with us. Next one here from Race City Bronco. Hey, guys, one of the most frustrating parts of the season, besides the losses, was having fan favorites like Vaughn, Drew, and Phil muzzled due to their injuries. It's bad enough to miss their play on the field, but as a fan, we've also lost their energy off the field over the past few weeks. It's good to see the team getting healthier, however, and it feels like each week we're hearing more and more about players who are recovering and returning to the field. I really enjoyed hearing player interviews this week and the optimism that came from Drew, Phil, and Dalton Reisner. So my question is, Do you feel like this team is starting to turn a corner when it comes to health and overcoming the time missed due to the truncated season, offseason? I'm looking at the schedule for the rest of the year, and eight of the 12 remaining games are winnable, in my opinion. My confidence level is lowest against the Chiefs, Saints, and Bills, but if this team finishes with another eight or more wins, could be in the running for a playoff spot. Yeah, if the Broncos stack up eight more wins and they're nine and seven, they're a playoff team, in my opinion. Well, what happens is guys inevitably – when they're forced to play more, they end up growing and getting better. And, uh, you know, basically it's kind of an adapt or die type of thing. Will you take, for example, somebody like Michael Ojemudia, who was expected to be a sub package guy. He comes in, plays every down. Well, he's adapted. He's playing well. So you learn things about guys and you figure out, okay, this player can do a little more uh, than expected. I think also realizing that some players aren't up to the challenge and you have to make a move now injury made the DeMar Dotson for Elijah Wilkins an exchange happen but is saying Bassey was struggling you plug Devontae Bosby back in there he plays well so that that's something uh, that that helps you out as well the other thing that I'm just worried about is that you know what if you turn the corner and you run into a car and that and that's the thing with with the injuries you just have to hope touch wood cross your fingers the whole ball of wax that there aren't further injuries coming, that this team can stay healthy for a few weeks. Otherwise you're right back at square one. Yeah. uh, Drew saying healthy is paramount to the rest of this season. And uh, apparently during his time off, he watched successful quarterbacks and how they get sacked. 
and how they take hits and, you know, how they protect their bodies. And when you think about the greatest of the greats, these guys just don't miss extended periods of time. Uh, and, and there is an art to taking sacks, and hopefully Drew learned a little bit. And most importantly, hopefully he learned that it's about a million times better for you to throw the ball away, even if it's third and ten, than it is for you to end up with a broken collarbone or a bruised shoulder or a sprained thumb or any of these things. Uh, and the Broncos simply cannot afford for him to get injured again and miss an extended period of time because that will rob them of getting a true evaluation of Drew this season. Yeah, he needs to understand that doing that really hurts the team. Even though he's trying to help the team by extending plays every single time, it hurts the team more than any one play will help the team. And what, what, why I'm so interested to see how he deals with pressure and how he deals with sacks and being hit is because he did say that, Ryan, that he studied the great quarterbacks and how they avoid getting hit. But then he said, that's part of my game is, you know, running around, extending plays, uh, doing that sort of stuff. And that, that, that's not going to change. So I'm curious how he balances those two. Absolutely. Yeah. He's going to have to, uh, to me, it's a little bit of like a maturity thing. You're just going to have to realize, uh, you know, lose the battle, win the war. Be a little selfish, Drew. Put, put, put your body. Uh, don't put your body on the line, and that's good for the team. Next one coming in for fumbles. RK kept mentioning in the offseason that Fant, quote, figured something out and that it was going to take his game to the next level. I was really hoping it was run blocking and he was going to be an every down tight end, but can't say he's got that figured out yet. So what was it? It's been eating me at far too long now. Fumbles. Uh, still not going to reveal that, but if you want to know what it was, go back to the Pittsburgh game and check out the big catch that he had in the fourth quarter. I also have to say, yeah, that, that, was, that was really good at showing that he figured that out. But I have to say the Broncos are doing a really good job of not putting him in in tough positions they're, they're putting him in advantageous positions most of the time for him well let him do what he does best and, and that's the thing i, I want to see him evolve into down the line as someone who can make more plays down the scene but that's that's not something that he's there yet so the types of routes that he's running are playing to his strengths you're seeing him get outside the outside the numbers short to intermediate and be able and and be able to use that use that cut to generate separation. You take a look at the touchdown, for example, in the Pittsburgh game, not the catch that you're referring to, but the catch that he makes for a touchdown against Devin Bush and using that cut to get, to get two steps of separation. If he does that to Devin Bush, he's going to do that to almost every linebacker he goes against. Yeah. Fumbles. I'm sure if you think hard enough, you can track it down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Next one from You know, there are, there are some fans who insist that he has not improved in this attribute, but he has. Yes, he has. From Bronco Terp, my boys, about six months ago, I started the process of feeding my three-year-old daughter, Drew Lock Info. We started with the Buzz Lightyear celebration, then rapping on the sideline, and it moved up to highlights. She's three, was born on the third, and her favorite number is three. And now she knows that number three on our Broncos is Drew Locke, and he's good. She was crushed when he got hurt, but I showed her a picture of Drew throwing this week, and she responded, is Drew better? Is he going to play? My response, yeah, baby, he's going to play. To which she said, yippee, number three's going to play. Proud parent moment there. I'll fill you in on the reaction when she gets a Locke jersey next month for her birthday. <laughs> Man, that is so cool. <laughs> I love hearing that. Thanks for sharing that with us, Bronco Terp. 
yeah, you should take a video and send it to us. Absolutely. Maybe he'll go out and throw three touchdowns for her this weekend. Let's go. And 300 yards. <laughs> yes, they were 333 and three touchdowns. How about that? Like it. As long as there's not three picks. Stop. Uh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> a 33 passer rating. <laughs> oh. That would be bad. Come on. Bangkok Bronco chiming in says, Hey, gents, I asked a while ago, what would be the one song you would play in the DNVR bar to lift everyone's spirit and truly make it a feel-good Friday? And the answers were great. But it's, but it's time, it's, but this time it's different. So picture this. You're in the locker room about to head out onto the field and your teammates just look flat. No energy and no one is up for the game. Coach hands you control of the speaker system and says you have time for one song before we head out. What are you playing to make sure it's truly fired up Friday for everyone in that room? Oh, man. I'm it's thinking a great one. long and hard on this one. Uh, I'm, going, uh, I'm going the first one that popped in my mind. I got to go uh, Bring Him Out by T.I. That's, that's just... so funny. That, that was actually the first one that came to my mind, too. Wow. I know the Broncos. I don't know if they do it anymore, but back in the day when I was a kid and went to some games, they would play it when the team came out. So maybe that's just why I think of it. I don't know how long it's been going on, but for at least like 12 years, maybe more, they play it when uh, the CU basketball team comes out for halftime. Mm, I like that. Why would you not? It's such a good song. It's such, such a good bring them out song. Yeah, exactly. Bring, bring them out. I mean, the Broncos, they need a song like this. I mean, like you go to Pittsburgh, for example, and NFL Films did a piece on this, and just watch how players' eyes light up when they think of when they play Renegade. Yeah. In the fourth yep. quarter. It's, and, and guys, like, and you see, like, like, guys just talking about it, just, they're, they just, Ex, they explode in happiness and fire and you see you see guys on the sideline and you, you see these these guys these guys born in the 1990s that are bouncing up and down to a 70s rock song i mean you wouldn't really expect that you need to you need to find something like this it's yeah uh, but what it but what is it i mean i, I also mean, think you could go like that we ready song Ah yes, like we that. Ready. Yeah, like yeah, that. That's a good one. That's like guaranteed to get you fired up. Yeah, yeah especially I, in I a agree. locker room, like during the yeah. breaks, you're like pounding on the lockers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can get behind that. You know what? The Broncos <laughs> tried to do this. They tried to incorporate a new song a couple of years ago. <laughs> oh. I don't think any of the players were singing the fight song though. The fight song, or when they um. <sighs> They've made two attempts at that. They had the fight song, and then back in in '06, they tried to have a Big Bad Voodoo Daddy do a version of Go Daddyo for the Broncos. No, they did, oh, wow. and they played it after scores. And I remember they played uh, Kansas City early in the season, and Jason Elam hit the game-winning field goal, and they played this song. And I remember seeing rod smith on the field right after it he's like what the hell <laughs> because they used to play and it used to be rock and roll part two by gary oh, yeah. glitter and it was it was more it was more tied to denver than any other sports market because it went all the way back to the to the rocky hockey days of the nhl colorado rockies and the broncos picked up on that and it was just it was easy and it got they played it after scores it was kind of an unofficial fight song it got everybody going it's never been replaced 
sadly. And we're on, we're on, we're on 15 or we're on 15 years now since they had to phase it out because Gary Glitter, Gary Glitter was a pedophile and, okay. and nothing. And, and they haven't replaced it yet. Can we just have someone remake that song? But then if someone remakes it, there are still royalties involved. You don't want to give, you don't want to have a penny going over there. So you've got, and, and it's just that, that association has kind of pushed it, you know, out of the realm. So you got to find something, but it's, I mean, like, it's been a generation now that we haven't figured out a replacement. At college football games, the band still plays it. Mm. Mm. The Broncos need a band? Uh, probably not. No, they have a drum line. <laughs> they, they do. Maybe just, maybe just a nice little John Denver song. I'm sure that'll pump all the players up. Why don't they just play the DNVR Broncos intro song? There we go. Now, now <laughs> we're talking. <laughs> he goes on and says, "Also, my 58-yard field goal this week is a fumble recovery for a touchdown by Alexander Johnson after a Bradley Chubb sack." Have a that great is an weekend, That 84-yard field goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, you're selling yourself short there. All right, well, that's a good uh, transition here. Zach, you got a 58-yard field goal for oh, us? Oh, boy, I need, I need a second. I need a second I, to think. I got, um, I'm going to go for Drew Locke hitting Jerry Judy for a touchdown of at least 50 yards. Ooh. That's literally what my mind went to and right away. Huh, can't do that one, then. That's All a right. good one. You said you had right. to think about it. I, I, I already had it. I will say uh, Tim Patrick has um, double-digit catches for 100 yards. Mm. Oh, man. I don't think this one's going to happen, so that's why it's a 58-yard field goal. And I, don't, I know Ryan's not going to like it. But Melvin Gordon has more yards than Philip Lindsay this week. Mm. You want to make a little uh, – Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not because I don't think it's going to happen. But, uh, but that would be something that I think everyone right now, I think if you were to ask everyone, they would say Phillip's going to have more yards, right? Or is that just how I'm viewing it? Um, I think everyone would say that, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Melvin, Melvin surprises everyone. I like how you're doing 58-yard field goals that you don't even believe in. <laughs> I guess Vic wouldn't believe in it either, the 58-yard field goal. <laughs> <Right>. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Well, all right. Uh, would you want to quickly go around the AFC West, Zach? Yes. Only one other game besides the Denver Broncos game this weekend. Monday afternoon. We'll see if this afternoon game on Monday actually gets played. Chiefs, four point favorites going into buffalo to play the bills they're both four and one teams yeah one team just got shellacked um <laughs> by a lesser team than the chiefs in my opinion um and they're going to get shellacked again the patriot or the chiefs don't lose two in a row uh and i don't even think they're going to play close games two in a row um chiefs by a lot <laughs> yeah this is this is one of those games, and you can actually throw it alongside Chiefs at Ravens last month where you say if this were a normal season and it was a full house in the stands, it would be a problematic spot for the Chiefs, but they're going into an empty stadium in Orchard Park, New York. You're not going to have to deal with one of the most hostile environments in the NFL. So you take that out of the equation. The Chiefs are a better team, and they're going to – after – Getting beat last week, I think they're going to uh, be hungry to avoid some of the self-inflicted wounds that cost them that game against the Raiders. I think the Chiefs win by 10. 
Yeah, this honestly should have been my pick of the week uh, because this is four is nothing for the Chiefs. They're gonna they're gonna do it. I got them thirty four twenty. Yeah, I, I've got them big as well. But one of the one of these teams is gonna come away from this game with the national perspective on them changing. Um, the Bills lose two in a row, and if they lose like we think they're gonna be uh, losing, then they're a pretender. If the Chiefs lose two in a row to teams that they were favored against. I think there's going to start to be some conversations about if something's wrong with them. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch. I hope we get it. I hope we get all the games that are supposed to be played this week. Uh, And I hope you head down to Green Mountain Dental Group if you need any dental work done. Uh, If you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you can get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Tag us and tag them and show them that our community supports those who support us. Uh, And then get yourself that Sonicare toothbrush, which will get your pearly whites pearlier and whiter than you've ever experienced. So 15 minutes from downtown, and they're the best damn family-owned dentist group in the metro area. So check out Green Mountain Dental. Thank you guys so much for riding with us all week. I truly hope this is the last time we have to talk about a Broncos-Patriots game uh, in the future in in all of this season. Uh, so we'll, we'll monitor it closely, and uh, hopefully we get this game on Monday. But for us, it's going to wrap it up. Thanks again for tuning in with us all week, and we'll talk to you next week.